Welcome to the Women's Health Podcast. I'm Marika Hart from Herosphere. And I'm Anthony Lowe, the physio detective. Together we interview leading authorities, answer questions, and share our thoughts to provide the general public with the best quality information we can find on all aspects of women's health. Please remember the materials and content on this podcast are intended as general information and for entertainment purposes only. They are not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now it's time to get cracking with the episode, so whether you're out walking your dog, driving the kids to school, or just sitting back enjoying a glass of wine, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Marika from Herosphere here, and I'm here with Mr. Anthony Lowe. G'day Anthony, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. For those of you who uh, are watching the video, or who aren't watching the video, um, I've got a map because lots of people have asked, well, they just don't realize how far apart we are. So there's a map of continental USA and basically we are a very similar distance from LA to Washington, uh, from LA to Washington DC, New York city. That's pretty much how far apart we are. Um, so just giving people an idea of how far, that's the picture that I've got as our background today. Awesome. <laughs> I love how you've superimposed our names and there's arrows and everything. Yeah, <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Hey, um, Ashley, what's going on with you at the moment? I know that you've been somewhat busy. What's going on? Yeah, well, you know, it's just that mad scramble, but I, I've had plans for this time of the year to, to run the masterclass, uh, which is, it's like a mentoring program um, of you know it's a 13 week program where we deconstruct everything and reconstruct it and it's lots of practical experiential learning and feedback and yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool actually um so gearing up for that i know that it takes a lot out of me um and so i'm just gearing up for that and and uh how, how, ready how different is it is it similar to the last mentoring program or is it quite different um it's it's going to be similar kind of but you know what i'm like marika like everything evolves everything changes um mm -hmm. i could give the same talk two or three days apart and it'll be a different type of talk uh, with the same points so yep. yes it's going to be live i, I i'm going to re-record the lectures i think um yep. so that'll be cool and um there's more q a interaction uh some more opportunities awesome. so that people because you know the europeans last time weren't able to make it so easily. So being able to, to have times available that suit other people at different times. Um, and will you be asking your um, mentorees to be creating videos and written content? Yeah. So it's all optional coursework activities. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there's, there's writing, there's writing activities, which I personally find the, the most helpful out of all the things that we do, it's the most helpful, uh, but also creating exercise demonstration videos, um, creating six minute talks, um, and in, included in there is how to structure the talk and, um, you know, g giving people feedback on that stuff too. Um, what else is there? There's video analysis, all of, all of this stuff, you know, has been available for a couple of years now online and it's all super helpful if you're trying to work in an online environment. So mm -hmm. it's kind of come at, at a good time and at a difficult time <laughs> at the same time, but you know, <laughs> being able to do video analysis and 
how you word things and what you're looking at and how to use the tools on there and um, being able to uh, generate talks uh, so that you can yeah. always have a talk ready. You know, the idea is to give you 13 talks on different topics and, um, you know, that way you've always got a talk ready. If somebody asks you to stand up and give a talk, you've practiced 13 different times how to stand up and give a talk. Yeah. Um, so being able to, to be practiced and, and know how to stay on track and know how to convey your points, um, or and a having that time talk. limit. Yeah. Having that time limit's quite challenging actually. I mean, yeah. I, I'm prone to waffle. <laughs> we both are. Let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> so being succinct, which is actually, you know, really important. So at university often you have, or when you present at a conference, right, you've mm -hmm. got a very small window. You've got to get in say what you need to say, bang, 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 get your points across and done. So it's yep. actually a really, a very, very useful exercise. Um, so when I did the mentoring program, was it two years ago? Yeah, three, two years ago. It was like, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm just gonna, if you don't mind, I'm no, <laughs> I don't totally mind. not planned. Not <laughs> planned. I was just gonna talk about my experiences with it. Um, what I found, um, I used to listen, cause I could never make the live ones just cause of the, the time difference. So I used to listen to them <laughs> walking along the river I used to listen to the replays walking along the river and reflect um, every Thursday morning and then go and do my videos. And what I found, um, obviously I learned so much from you, Anthony, all the time, which is fantastic. But you pushed a lot of us out of our comfort zones, made us do some things that we were, from a techni technical perspective, weren't really that knowledgeable about. So made us create videos um, and share them in the group. The group so lovely like such an clearly you've cultivated a following of people that you know are just really really lovely people and really helpful so what i found was that we would share our videos and then people would give really positive but constructive feedback on that um so that people could go away have a think about what have a think about what we did um take that feedback on board create something and and, and you could just see the evolution over the series of weeks is, is how all of us were producing like better content that was better technically, but um, in terms of lighting and sound and all the rest of it, but also um, in our communication, in our messaging, we all really evolved through that process, which I think was, um, yeah, it was really wonderful to see. Yeah, and it was honestly a pleasure to take the journey with you all. Um, you know, it's it's been um, like from there, so many, so many people still stay in contact. I, st I stay in contact with people there. Um, you know, lots of them have become teaching assistants for me. Um, and you know, over that time, I, I get to know who you are as a person as well, which is really great. Like, obviously the more you interact, the more I get to know you, the less you interact, the less I get to know you. So, um, but you know, it's, it, it was really, really good to be able to do that and catch up with people and, um, be able to to see that evolution, like you said, you know, uh, it, it was, it was super fun. Um, and yeah, it, and it pushed me too. I just remember how tired I was, you know, like I was working, I was working. You I put was, a lot of time into that. Yeah. I was clinical. I was clinical five days a week. Um, and, and doing this stuff too. So yeah, I remember but it I was about 60. That you get you love it though because you, you do get such I love a buzz, it, buzz. <laughs> you it was great. but i will say that those who are interested in it if you think because 
some people think you're scary, Anthony, and um, <laughs> which, you know, and I think if I look back five years ago, I probably thought you were scary. But um, once you get to know Anthony, he's totally not scary. He will, he will challenge you. He will challenge you on your ideas, but he is very, very supportive. So um, don't think for a second that you're, you know, not good enough or you're going to be embarrassed or you're going to struggle with things because honestly, the, the, the support from Anthony, but also from the group is, is really, really great. And, you know, there's quite a few people now who I consider to be, you know, good friends that we've made through this process, who some of which we've had on this show. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and thank you for that. That was unplanned. Sorry, I was not trying <laughs> impromptu total plug of your program, Anthony. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I do. I do. That's all right. Um, what about what about with you? Yeah, so my one starts at the end of April, so there's still a week left of enrollment to go. There's only a handful of places left, actually. Um, uh, but... You should probably put this out before. before yeah, yeah, I'll get it out. Then. I'll get it out today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Marika? Yeah, so we're, we're still in ISO, uh, isolation, mm -hmm. um, shut down a bit. Well, it was kind of funny because my husband had a, had some chest tightness last week and like a bit of respiratory kind of, you know, mm. stuff. But no cough or fever or anything. But when he rang the GP, one said, you need to go to ED. No. You don't need to go to freaking ED. Call another GP. And another one sent him off. So he went and had um, COVID testing. So the annoying thing about that, well, no, we're very fortunate. I'm not remotely complaining. It's, we actually have testing now. So yes, you, that's huge because we didn't have much testing at all for a long time. Um, so then he had to go to the COVID clinic. But as soon as you get tested, you can't leave the house. Like the whole family can't even leave the house to go to the shops for oh, wow. 72 hours. Because you have to wait for the test kits to come back. So that was weird because I couldn't even go for a walk, which was really oh, wow. like I was getting a bit. Ah. Um, but thankfully, it all came back. <laughs> all came back good. Um, but apart from that, kids are on school holidays. So it's much more relaxed than trying to do the school from home. I'm no, not calling it homeschooling because it is not homeschooling. It's nothing no. like homeschooling. Um, <laughs> we've got one more week of school holidays. And apart from that, I'm just uh, doing some telehealth. So seeing people from home, um, which actually is, it works really well because uh, I see a lot of postnatal women um, and and my, probably a bit like you, Anthony, very rehab-based. I, I don't do a lot of manual therapies. Of course, I can't check pelvic floors. Um, but, you know, can do a really thorough subjective examination, take this through some functional tests, and then I give them exercise programs. But I'm finding it's actually working really well on Zoom because I get them, I make them the host, and then they record it, and then they have a copy of the both of us doing the exercises together with me, giving them all the cues and feedback and stuff. Perfect. And then they're using that for their exercise program. So then I don't even need to go and write up the exercise program, <laughs> and I don't need to go put things on PhysiTrack. Um, it's just, it's actually... It's actually in a way easier. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Anyway, that's me. Oh, and actually this week we're starting up some online exercise programs at Body Logic. So I'm going to do one postnatal class a week and one other, um, it's going to be a bit of a hybrid actually. It's called pelvic floor up and go. It's going to be like a low impact aerobic slash functional strengthening. Um, so for those who need a bit more sort of up training of the pelvic floor, um, and then some of the other ladies of Body Logic are doing ones for endo, so endometriosis. We've got uh, pre and post prostatectomy classes. We've got pregnancy classes. So the public health team is sort of putting together a bit of a timetable. Um, so if anyone's interested in that, you can just message me or go to bodylogic.physio. 
Yeah. But that's what's going on. Um, but this is kind of a random topic we're going to talk about today. And this, we're going to talk about neurodiversity. And before we even get, to, I guess, I want to ask Anthony lots of questions about his recent post because he posted on Facebook talking about his recent diagnosis of ADHD. And I thought it'd be really interesting because he's so open about it to just talking about your personal experiences. Um, what I want to say from the outset, outset is that Anthony and I, a disclaimer, you know, we're not psychologists, neurologists, neuropsychologists, psychiatrists. We, we are talking more from a personal experience and just a, I guess, a general conversation. So we're not giving any advice about diagnosis or treatment or anything like that. And I know that we have that in our disclaimer anyway for the podcast, but I think I don't want us to come across as being experts in this field because we are completely not. No. <laughs> so this is just I think sharing I just a story. Clear. <laughs> yeah, I just want to make it clear that we're just sharing our experiences and sharing a story because we both feel that it might be actually helpful for uh, our audience listening. Um, so we really want to talk about neurodiversity, <laughs> which is this idea that people are wired differently and that our brains don't all work the same. And um, so where should we start, Anthony? Do you want to start with um, your childhood? I mean, I mean, you can lie on the couch if you want to, but tell me about your, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> so when I was in the womb, um, no, uh, <laughs> um, I, I, okay. I'll, I'll start with just recently, uh, when, when I went to the psychologist to start the formal diagnosis process to see if I had ADHD or not. Um, she asked me to ask my parents a series of questions about my childhood. Um, and so I did, I, I rang them up. This is back, you know, BC before COVID. Um, and so I, I rang them up and, uh, and said on, on the way home, right? So it's a 40 minute drive home. And so I, I rang them on the way home. So, because I, I would have forgotten otherwise. Um, and so I was talking to them and, uh, it'll be things like, you know, how was I sitting still at school? And I just remember my mum laughing, like, you know, oh, and she started telling stories like, oh, you were on this school excursion once and, and the teacher told me about it. And, you know, everybody was listening to the person telling the story about whatever it was. And you were climbing on the exhibits and leaning over things and doing everything else that you're not supposed to be doing. But then you were still able to answer the questions about what was going on. And it's like, <laughs> so, um, you know, so I couldn't sit still. My name's Anthony. Um, some people call me Ant. Um, tends to be friends call me Ant. Um, but I used to get ants in your pants um, because, as a kid, because I just wouldn't sit still. Um, you know, I have narcolepsy, which is where I can fall asleep anywhere. But as a preschooler, they used to put, because, you know, at preschool, they have nap time. Um, and, and, uh, there was no nap time for me. So they asked me to lie there and try not to move around too much, but, and then they would put my cot cause they would pull out all these portable cots. I still remember this, right? They would pull out all these portable cots and these kids would lie down and have a sleep and I wouldn't. And, and they would put my cot like right next to the door of the staff room where they were having afternoon tea or something <laughs> because they had to keep an eye on me. Otherwise I was elsewhere. So apparently, <laughs> sorry. 
You were climbing the walls. Yeah, apparently. I didn't sleep. I think I slept maybe once or twice the whole time I was at preschool. Uh, um, but, but yeah, you know, my whole childhood, it was like that. And, yeah. And then I just remember school. You know, I daydream a lot. I still do. Um, if you ever watch the videos and you see me looking over the camera, it's because I've got stuff out there that I can look at and it helps me think. Um, but anyway, so yeah, as a child, that's what I was like. I think I was more hyperactive did you do well as a child. At school? Yeah, I like, did okay. Academically, and did you hand in your work? Like, was your work legible? Uh, <laughs> illegible? People said that I could become a doctor based on my handwriting. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah. Oh, like, I'm thinking back to assignments. I was definitely the last-minute guy. Never did anything ahead of time. I remember there's certain things that my dad just did the assignments for me. I think because he liked it. Like, I remember having to build atoms um, for a project. And, you know, basically he built it. But I knew what was going on. <laughs> it's not like I didn't know what was going on. Um, so, in... So, my, um, just as an aside, so Anthony knows this, but a very close family member and potentially a couple have um, ADHD and autism in my family. So, I, I'm just reflecting on some of my experiences um, with them as well. But uh, I, I do know for a lot of people with ADHD, um, when there's a topic of interest, though, oh, the hyperfocus can hyperfocus for <laughs> yes. hours and hours on end. So, if there's a computer game, and then oh, the task yes. and you want to finish it, you could spend 10 oh, yeah. hours on there only, only stopping to pee and eat. Um, so was that you through your childhood as well, do you reckon? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have to get kicked off the computer. Uh, I remember there was a game by Epics called Summer Games. It was basically the Olympics, right? And diving was part of it. It was one of my favorite events. And the reason why it was my favorite was because you had to time moving the joystick at the right time to finish the somersault and hit vertical, right? And so I had to nail that. Like, I had to get that right. Whereas the other ones was like in the running event, like you just had to wiggle the thing as fast as you could. Like, to me, that didn't take skill. That's just brute force. But, you know, timing and technique and... Uh, all that sort of stuff was was cool, but yeah, I would spend hours on that stuff. I I remember actually, I remember having a play date with um with some friends. I think I might have been in year four, year five, year six, um, and I remember they just didn't enjoy playing with me. Um, and I said why, and they go, oh, because you know, you hog the computer. We only we only ever do what you want, and it's like. I, I tended to just focus on what I wanted to do. Um, so, you know, the social ineptness was also in there. Um, but yeah, you know, as a kid, daydreaming, Battletech novels, like I would read, I was a voracious reader. Um, and I would, I would see what I was reading and I would, I would hear what I was reading. So, you know, sometimes it, it, it sometimes it was like watching a movie I wouldn't read fast. I'm not a fast reader because I'm looking around when I'm reading, if you know what I mean. Like, I'm reading something and they're describing something and I can see it as well 
in my head. Like I'm watching what they're describing and I'm having a look around. Yeah, but I have aphantasia, so I don't have that. <laughs> I I understand, but I didn't Sadly. want to out you. So. <laughs> <laughs> so for those for those who don't know what that is, I don't I don't see images in my head. Like I don't. So when I read books, it's almost the more I, I sort of hear the words. I don't. I can't close my eyes and see a picture, and I and I struggle to hold hold a face, um, even like my husband's face, which obviously I know very very well. Yeah. I close my eyes, and it's like this little flicker of, of a picture that disappears really quickly, um, which is why I used to watch those like shows like CSI, and they have the sketch artists come in, and the, you know the witness would say, oh, you know his nose is a little bit more like I'm like, and it used to just <laughs> blow my mind. I'd sit there go, how do they do that? I could never do that, and then. I think I found out six months ago this term aphantasia and it was like, holy crap, that is completely me. I don't have that. I don't have that. Yeah. Which is, there you go. That's another bit of neurodiversity, isn't it? It is. But I can hear music. I have music all the time in my head. So. <laughs> right. Which is a different type of thing as well, right? Like that's a different aspect of it. Mm. Whereas I don't think my wife hears the music and hears the words because my wife has it too. Um and she can't imagine people's face. Like, she sees black. She can describe people, but she doesn't see what she's describing. She just knows it. I'm with you, Diane. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's that's super interesting too. Um, and, and other people don't have it in a monologue. Like, you know, I try to explain to people why I like high-intensity exercise. It's because the voice narrows down to one because it's just a survival voice you're going to die just one more rep just keep going <laughs> like oh my goodness what so i wonder you... what my heart rate is <laughs> like so through the day what's it like in your head it's just noisy like it's just it's whatever it's like stuff comes in stuff goes out as well as the stuff that i'm trying to think about and obviously they can't all happen simultaneously because it doesn't work like that it just switches super fast all the time or yeah. it used to so it's uh, like you're on... changing channels almost uh, yeah, the way I describe it is, is that there's a certain, like, so, so what I did was I, I took some medication, um, uh, before I got my own medication, um, and, uh, I just took... Which we don't endorse, by the way. No, we don't. Like, seriously, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm hesitating here right now going, should I tell people that I just did something illegal? But I took one dose a low dose, like the minimal dose um, of this particular medication. And the thing that I noticed is that things slowed down and became quieter, which is super weird because, you know, when you live with it every day, that's your normal. Um, and so I noticed that there was a certain beat and, it, and I, I, it's hard to time it exactly, but it's around 130 beats per minute. Um, so it's like a rock song. It's like a it's like a dance song. And when I'm on the medication, it slows down to like sixty to eighty. Like it slows down. It feels like a pulse. Um, when I'm on medication, like it's close to my pulse. Whereas when I'm not, it feels like my head is racing. And then if I took my pulse, my pulse is slower. Like it's definitely not related to my heart. Um, it's it's a switching yeah but my brain my my thoughts don't switch that fast if there's just it just like they describe it as the motor driving you like that's what it felt like it's like 
Like I gotta, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep go like it, it's like a push from behind. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's weird, but uh, yeah. So when I was on the medication, I didn't feel that, which is weird because when you feel something all the time, you notice when it's not there. Uh, you say, so oh, it's, it's interesting because we, you know, you and I have obviously had these conversations for a few years now, and I remember having that light bulb moment when we were chatting about something. And I said, what do you think about ADHD? And you went, huh, you know what's really weird? Is it because I had narcolepsy in school and I was taking Ritalin? I remember my exam results improved <laughs> quite dramatically. And I remember yep. watching your face go, huh. Maybe thought it was about that. that. Mm. Yeah. Because I had Ritalin. Experience. Yeah. Through... So was that uni? That was uni, wasn't it? Yeah, it was uni. So I struggled the first couple of years. So school was easy right because well relatively easy because number one computer science wasn't that hard back then um so it's like what's a modem what does modem stand for uh, come on uh you know what's board rate we we used to talk in board rate right b-a-u-d um but i don't even know what that is but that's right it's just how fast it connects to the internet well it's not even to the internet to the bulletin board to the to the modem at the other end um and like, you know, talking about all that sort of stuff was easy. The thing that I noticed about university was that my high school chemistry course, we covered most of the high school chemistry stuff in physio school in like six weeks. And I was like, wow, it took me two years to get through this stuff at school. And here we are doing it at six weeks. It was just a lot of study. My program, my physio program was 25 contact hours a week. And we had 10 exams in two weeks. So in 12 days, we had 10 exams. And that includes the two days of the weekend in between. Um, we had, my best was 14. Yeah. The but most... they had prac exams in there too. Yep, yep. Prac exams as well. Yep. Um, yep. And so, you know, that was kind of intense. So and... It is. It's, physio school is intense. Mm -hmm. Particularly undergrad. Undergrad is intense. It's just a lot. Four years of it. But, um, so I nearly failed. I nearly failed quite a few subjects. I was also busy. You know, I was out every single day, every single night. Um, my, yeah, my family didn't see me. Um, and then, so I nearly failed, but didn't fail anything. But in second year, uh, second semester, I failed a subject. I failed neurobiology too. So I... I think I got 49 and so you get the resit, right? So I'd done like two or three resits before uh, and I resat this neurobiology too, but like neurobiology too, it was about spinal cord, like, you know, the spinothalamic tract and the corticospinal stuff and where it goes, like all the stuff that's relevant now for pain science, like I struggled to study. And um, so anyway, I tried, I did the resit and, um, and I still failed. So I had to carry that subject. Luckily it wasn't a prereq. I could continue with my program. And so I went into third year knowing that second semester, I would have to pick up a subject as well. So I picked up the subject and I don't know how I juggled it, but somehow I juggled it and I did, I did perfectly fine. But the thing that happened was that my dad put his foot down. Now he'd been trying to get me to do a sleep study. They'd moved to Singapore um, for work, 
because you know when you get to to earn three times as much money and pay one third less tax uh, like one third of the tax that you do in australia you tend to just take advantage of that stuff so off he went um and took my brother and sister and the company paid for me to live in an apartment and flew me over to singapore twice a year as well um which is great so yeah when he asked me i'm like yeah go see ya <laughs> off you go <laughs> and um but yeah when i failed that subject he insisted that i take because he thought it was sleep apnea because i was telling him i fall asleep in lectures all the time my poor friend timone like she would elbow me all the time i i've still got notes where i would write messages to whoever's sitting next to me usually her um and you know I would write these messages and then when it came to exam time, I would have to borrow all of her notes and that's how I got through university because I would fall asleep. And I found out that if you stay on the lawn and you sleep, I don't remember as much as falling asleep in the lecture. When I fell asleep in the lecture, I tended to remember the material better anyway. So I must have been listening. You're somehow still absorbing it. <laughs> Uh, I don't I don't think I was absorbing anything when I was asleep, but I, I think I was whatever I heard before I fell asleep, I was absorbing. And um, it's quite weird. So I just started going to sleep in in the lecture theater, um, which then led to hits and sometimes I'd snore, stuff like that. <laughs> uh -huh. so, but it wasn't sleep apnea. It wasn't, it was narcolepsy. Narcolepsy, right? Yeah. And they gave me Ritalin. Now, I didn't, at the time, Ritalin, you know, it was what you gave problem kids. I wasn't a problem kid. I knew that my personality was such that I get addicted to things. So, I didn't want to be possibly addicted to a stimulant. So, I saved them. Like, I, I just, I just saved it, you know. And so I used them during Stuvac, so the, the, the study vacation that we had the week before exams. I saved it for that period and for exams. Um, and all of my marks jumped up to the mid-70s from like the mid-50s. I jumped basically 20% without having to do much different. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, That's huge. Yeah, it, it was a big and you th And did you think it was because you weren't falling asleep? Yeah. At the time, yeah. Mm -hmm. I should have been taking it okay. throughout. Maybe I would have gotten into the 80s. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> but all the practical stuff was never a problem, right? Like, no. if you, oh, like I remember reading reports, my clinical reports, and I remember them saying, you've got great skills, Anthony. You need to study more. You've got great skills, <laughs> Anthony. You need to read more. You've got great <laughs> skills, Anthony. You've got to know <laughs> this more. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying, you know, and that would describe, I remember being in class and trying to find a transverse process, right? Mm -hmm. And we had like a rugby player, like a proper professional rugby player on our course. And he's got this he was much also, muscle over the top. <laughs> yeah, minimum, minimum. This dude was chunky, right? Um, and... And I remember trying to find the transverse process on him and the tutor saying, okay, it feels like a plate, find his spine, find the edge of his ribs and the pelvis and take a halfway spot. And it's in around there. 
and I just put my hands on there and be, and you know she said it's like when you get it it's like putting your thumb on a on like a dinner plate like it's just obvious that it's there and so I just did it and I went oh that's it yeah that's what it feels like and the guy the guy that was um the guy that was sitting there on the table he was like yeah you've got it that's it that's what it feels like that's when she did it that's you're doing exactly what she did and then somebody would come along like the you know the other lab partner they'd be like what are you feeling but i could just see it all you know and i could feel it um so practical was never a problem it was studying it was reading papers because we know how enthralling papers are and statistics oh i feel like falling asleep um <laughs> so yes that was university so narcolepsy ritalin um and i did much better but i thought it was because i wasn't falling asleep and then carry over into adulthood obviously you've had great success in your career and you went and did another master's or did a master's program um without medication without <laughs> yeah without medication so at what like what made you suspect that it was a problem for you and that i guess made you think about going and, and having testing at the ripe old age of 32 44 <laughs> thank you <laughs> um look i the clinical environment, owning two practices, the hustle and bustle of it all, juggling stuff, juggling quality, learning stuff. I was doing tons of continuing ed. Um, all of that was fine. Continuing ed was hard. So I would actually sit and write notes a lot just because otherwise I'd fall asleep. Uh, but I knew that about myself. So I was able to manage narcolepsy. Um, so all of that stuff was fine. I sold my practice. And I wanted to, to go into education, you know, and my wife said, look, sell the practice and work towards doing what you want to do, which is teaching people all the stuff that you've been doing. And, you know, I'm sure people want to know this stuff. So go and do it. And that was great. Thank you. And I wanted to write a book and I've got the outline of the book still. And I looked at it recently and it's like, this is still a good book to write. And I wrote that outline like six years ago, five years ago, like a while ago. Um, and um, I wasn't able to write the book. I paid for a business coach to help me write the book. I, I couldn't write the book because uh, I just couldn't sit there long enough and do what I needed to do. And I, I've got so many course ideas Marika, I'm so grateful that I've got the courses that I do that I managed to get out. Um, but there's tons in them. There's, oh, if you could see my notes on my phone, like it's coming out. Like I've got to organize my stuff. <laughs> like I've got so many ideas. Anyway, uh, and that's the problem. And I was frustrated by it. And then about 18 months ago now, a friend of mine, Sarah Curran, who's a physio, by the way, she's a great physio, but lives ages away from me. It takes her over an hour to get over to my way um, or for me to go over there. She, I was telling her, I, I said, look, you know, maybe I'm on the spectrum. And, and I'd taken a, I'd taken a, an ASD screening form. Um, and um, and I was sub threshold. I think the threshold on that test was 32. 
32 indicates that you may have some features that are worth investigating. And I scored like 36, uh, not 36, 30, 26. So I was under the threshold, but it wasn't insignificant. You know what I mean? It's not like I scored a 10. Um, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? Are there any other things? And she just kind of laughed at me and, and said, ah, you know, you don't, you're not on the spectrum, Anthony, you're like me. And, and was like, oh, uh, what do you mean? You got ADHD. I've known it since the first time I met you and, you know, um, and, and I sat with that information for a year. I sat with that information for a year and I went, okay. And I, and I took the screening test and yes, I tested quite positively for ADHD. Like it, it, it wasn't a doubtful thing. You know, it wasn't like a line ball decision thing. It was like, oh yeah, dude, <laughs> you should go get tested. That's what the screening form was saying. Um, and so I sat with it and I thought, well, you know what? I know how to work hard. I, I, if I just assume that I have it, then I can learn what I need to do to get what I need to get done, done. And I've survived all this time anyway. Like, why don't I just see how I go? Um, and so I tried to go out on my own for a year. And, you know, last year, last year was, it was difficult, uh, especially around September. Um, I, I basically did, including coming to Perth and spending uh, some time with you, Marika, which honestly was something that really got me through, really got me through. It was, it was really good two days spending with you. Um, oh, I did oh, seven, that's <laughs> sorry. That's lovely to hear. Oh, you're amazing. Love it. Um, even though I'm allergic to cats, I, <laughs> I will take the medication just to spend time with you and your family. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about the cat on your bed. <laughs> It's okay. Like, honestly, it's okay. I, it happens elsewhere around the world and it's worth it to me. Um, cause I'm not, you. I'm not anaphylactic, right? I just enjoy spending time with people I enjoy spending time with. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I did seven two day seminars across four continents in eight weeks. So yeah, anyway, things came to a head. Um, and that's when I said I need help. Um, so I went and got a diagnosis and I got the diagnosis and then, um, and then she did psychometric testing. So I had to go, I had to go back to do further testing to, I guess, phenotype it, like find out where the deficits were, if there were any deficits, um, <clears throat> and executive function and working memory are, um, are deficits that I have. Um, and she said that they explained why, like all the stuff that I'm talking to you about, I talked to her about, and she said that those deficits are significant enough. They're still like average. I think I tested like 50 to 75th percentile for working memory and executive function. But my, my cognitive ability and all the other things are like 85 to 95 percentile type stuff. And she said like that deficit, even if it's 10%. Yeah. Yeah. She said like that can, cause I describe it as being like, I just can't get going. And, and I'm always on that search for the hyper-focus. Cause once I get it, like I go, and that's often why 
you send messages like, what are you doing, dude? Go to bed. Because <laughs> it's like, I'm in hyper-focus right now. Let me keep going. Are you doing it 2 a.m.? late, for goodness sake. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. And, and I know, you know, like, it, that can be really hard changing, like, from one topic. And I know in school it's very difficult for kids, you know, if you, you, you sort of finally get organised and you, you start doing your maths or whatever, and it's like, bang, siren you've got to go to your science class now. It's like, shit, hang on, I just got, right. So now I've got to pack up all of this stuff, <laughs> move into a different classroom with a new teacher, set it all up again, figure out, you know, so that executive, you know, those uh, the executive function, those, those like, you know, organization planning, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, so difficult and it takes quite a bit to finally get figuring out what's going on. Okay, cool. I know what I'm supposed to be doing now. Bang, siren. Okay, right. We can, now we've got to go on to the next class. And so, that can be so, so difficult um, yeah. people with ADHD is, is, is actually just those, those switches which are expected, um, expected think, and it's expected of yeah. adults as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I think it was the settling down that was the hardest. But that's why I chose my subjects the way I did. You know, I chose maths, physics, chemistry, computers and general studies because I just had to throw another one in there. Um, and so they're all right or wrong subjects. <laughs> which meant that I could go just study on my own and which is what I which is what I ended up doing like I just did all the questions in the maths book I just I just did all the questions in the textbooks and that's how I got through because I could you know um yeah. and then that way what happened in class didn't matter as much as long as I got yeah. my work done it didn't matter whereas English and like even general studies too much general uh, general studies is, is, I don't know if you had the subject, but general studies is um, current events and you basically write essays on current events. And so I'm quite literal. So I'm like a reporter. I will tell you what happened. Um, whereas they wanted interpretation, they wanted nuance, they wanted consideration of other ideas and viewpoints. And yeah, it's like, yeah, but that's all subjective stuff, man. <laughs> I was such a scientist. <laughs> such a maths brain but uh yeah exactly right it's just like right or wrong yes so bottom line is that yes i was just gonna say bottom line is that um for me settling down to get started and then being able to get started was the hard thing and still is the hard thing for me yeah what about um taking a slightly different tact. Sorry, I'm just going to shut my door. Hang on one second. Cool. Um, I just want to ask you about socialization because that oh, yeah. can be difficult for people. Hang on one <laughs> second. Yes. So, um, what, what difficulties have you found? If you don't mind sharing this, like, you know, in person yeah. or online in terms of communication, understanding, uh, where people are coming from or misinterpretations or like, do you find mm. that people misunderstand you or you find it difficult the other way around as well? Yes. And yes. Um, <laughs> like a, a classic example last night, for example, um, a gym around the corner from where we live had a gum tree add on and, um, and they had stuff that we were interested in. And so, I'm messaging this guy. So obviously I'm focused on messaging this guy. And, and Diane asked me if there was a photo of 
the stepper that I wanted, right? Um, and she goes, do you have a photo of it? I said, yes. And, and then I just kept, because I was still messaging the guy. And so she asked me again, do you have a photo of it? I said, yeah, I do. I've seen it. She goes, have you seen it? Do you have a photo of it? I said, yeah. And I go back to it. And she's like, can I see the photo? Oh, damn photo. <laughs> I'm like, oh, but that's not what you asked. Like, you asked if I had a photo of it. <laughs> like, and, so, and she goes, when most people say, do you have a photo? It means that they want to see the photo. And it's like, why are you getting mad at me? Am I not doing what's consistently been done for the last 20 years of our marriage? Like, don't you think that I'm behaving consistently right now? Because I'm very literal. Uh, and, and she's like, ah, uh, where, and, and so that's an example of what often happens. Like, you know, I'm, it's just very much on the surface. I try not to read too much into things because every time I read into things, it's often wrong. Like I just don't have, my son said to me the other day, um, what do you, what do you say? He said, basically, I don't read social situations well. Yeah. Basically, he said, I'm unaware of stuff that's happening that I should be aware of. I said, yeah. But unless you point them out to me and teach me what they are, I don't know what to do with that information. Because... On a positive, on a positive side of things, because you don't read too much into things, you, you don't easily get offended, do you? No. Because it's like, yeah. oh, were well, they upset? Sorry. I didn't even know. I didn't even know. Oh, were they? Somebody said they just slagged you off. It's like really? That's that's not what it. That's not what they said though. They said they were being <laughs> sarcastic. I had had these conversations quite often where <laughs> where Anthony is back saying, "Were you being sarcastic?" <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I have been, or sometimes I haven't. But where you've literally just been like, "I I don't I, I don't no know what, I don't know what you're trying to say." <laughs> Here. It's like, what does that, what does that mean? Because <laughs> it, it literally means something that's weird. I don't get it. Um, so we've had, we've had a lot of this. I have another oh. friend who's similar. And obviously, you know, some of my family members are like this, but it's just like, uh, and I'm, I'm sarcastic way too much. I mean, that's, that's, that's a definitely a fault of mine. Um, so, so poor Anthony, sometimes it's just like, uh, I don't, I don't know if you're being literal or how much I just, you're reading this. So, yeah, I just say I'm yeah. literal. What do you mean? <laughs> As an advantage, though, you don't tend to read too much into things. Um, you don't read too much into people's intent behind things in a negative way, which is probably something that a lot of us do. And I certainly do all the time. Like, you know, I'll read something and I'll think, what the hell does that mean? Are you... Like I, I will, I will almost think like that someone's attacking me, whereas they, they might just, and, and so sometimes in an online situation, cause I know you, I mean, you definitely changed your tone on social media over the years, but previously oh, yeah. quite well, I'm blunt. That's because I'm literal. There's no evidence of that, blah, 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 blah. Yep. And, you, and none of it was attacking a person, but it was very direct and people would feel attacked. Yes. Um, but you never even saw it that way. Cause you never meant it that way. And in person, it would probably come across quite different, right? Yeah, because it would you would hear my questioning tone. Oh, but there's no evidence for that. Why are you saying that? What about this? Shouldn't this be what it's like? Um, but, you know, online it comes across as, 
There's no, I think this is what people think I'm doing, right? Ah, oh, come on, there's no evidence for that. And what are you doing that for? And you must be shit. Like, no, that's not what's happening. Um, sometimes I get like that. Sometimes it's like, what are you doing? We've talked about this before. Um, but yeah, not so much. And so I've had to learn. It's just like, why are people getting upset? Why, you know, so many people have come up to me on courses, um, probably more earlier on, a lot less so these days, um, saying, oh, you're so much nicer than I thought you'd be. It's like, okay, oops, sorry. <laughs> and, but they say, you know, like, yeah, ever since I've been doing podcasts, to be honest, people are like, now I can hear your voice ask the questions and I, I can hear the way that you're asking them now. And That's I can... It's different to how I imagined it. And it just makes me think, what are you going through that makes you imagine that? So it's either that or, you know, is it projection? Are they projecting their own their own way of interpreting how they would speak to somebody if they were mad, for example, or if they disagreed with them? I don't know. But I, I do know with my learning style that I need stuff pointed out. So I made a mistake the other day. So in the, the same day that I wrote about my ADHD, I also posted something, um, just a flow chart that basically said, if your child's not on fire, you're going okay. Um, and, you know, in the context of things, like the way that I read it is that, you know, there are a lot of things that are bothering people and it's not to dismiss the people who are struggling. It's, it was a reminder to me of not sweating the small stuff. So, okay. you know, and I did this at like something like midnight at night. So I'm not at my best and my filters are worn down and I'm tired. And, and like you say, you know, it is exhausting for people in social situations. Um, and so, you know, I, it, it just filtered in, it went through my filters and it bypassed, it bypassed the thinking processes that I have to put in place to consider how other people feel. Uh, because I have to think about that deliberately. It's not innate and I wish it was, I honestly do, but it's not. So I actually have to deliberately make an effort to think about how this would feel for other people. Um, and I have to learn by making mistakes because unless somebody sits there and says, okay, this interaction just happened and this is how this made me feel, unless I get that, which people don't do, right? Like who's got the time? Um, unless people do that, I, I've got no idea that that's happening. And, and, I find, and I find it really hard to transfer across different domains as well. I've, re I've really been trying, but it's definitely conscious incompetence and conscious competence. It's certainly not, I haven't reached unconscious competence on that. And I'm definitely unconsciously incompetent. Like I, I make mistakes all the time. I don't even know it's a mistake. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? And I can understand how hard that is, but I think that's where having good friends and family who will support you through that and, and kindly let you know to say like you and like I've sent you messages before and so said, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't read well. I don't think 
what you're trying to say is it's coming across out. right. Uh, you might like, oh. And you've always sort of said, oh, shit, thank you. Thanks for that. I didn't realise. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, that's part of being a, a good friend or family member is to do that rather than, oh, he's such a jerk. He's such an asshole. He wrote there. Um, I do appreciate to, it. To actually, I guess, sometimes think a little bit behind the intent and for I know we've had this conversation many times before, but, you know, having, you know, friends and family who are on the spectrum or have ADHD and you spend a lot of time with them and you realise just the sheer amount of effort, mental energy to get through a day is huge. Hmm. Um, So even just like going into a social situation and thinking, oh God, there's people that I don't know here. How do I, should I, is it okay for me to go up and say hi? Is that appropriate here? How do I start a conversation? Um, what if I do the wrong thing? They're looking at me weird. Are they looking at me weird? I don't know if that's what they're supposed to shit. What have I done now? And there's just these like million and one thoughts. And this is probably, I guess, more coming from the autism side of things, but just analyzing everything um, and having that constant anxiety of doing everything wrong. And then once, if you can get through that, then it's just go home, crash, that is just such hard work. And so I think, um, I guess where I'm going with this is that it's really changed me in a huge way over the past sort of, you know, 10, 15 years is I think previously, cause my brain, I, I'm quite, um, you know me, I'm quite linear. Like I sort of, I like to be organized. I like to be structured. Um, I don't, I think very differently to you um, in, in many ways, but in other ways we actually are very similar, but my brain works very differently and I, I have to be organized and structured and, and I like things to be done in a certain way. And, you know, I found it really hard to be with people who, who were very different to that. But then having had that in the family, you suddenly, like I've had to grow as a person and, and really actually stop and think and be more patient. Um, Cause I'm not by nature actually at all a patient person, as you know, like I'm so impatient and Anthony's laughing cause it's so true in my family. <laughs> so that, I'm not a patient person, but I've had well, to I can be. tell when you're tired, right? I can tell um, when you're tired because <laughs> the patience levels drop. I can't really like, oh, oh, Marika's tired. I hope she's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I like, I, I, I hit my reserve, but I think it's, it's been, I think in terms of my personal growth, it's been really good because it, and it's helped me as a physio as well, because we are always seeing, we, we, we see so many neurodiverse patients, you know, we, mm. and having, and actually, I guess in many ways is opening my eyes to that world is, and seeing it has meant that I've had to understand that people think differently. They learn differently. They have different communication styles. I have to learn not to read into too much of what people, you know, say or their body language and actually just, you know, give them a bit more space and time and not assume and not assume anything like, and certainly not assume the bad stuff. Um, but a lot more understanding and patience, I think in terms of communication as well, and just kind of going, okay, they may have said that, but is that what actually they mean? And I might just give them a bit more of an opportunity or another chance to, you know, or, or just question it a little bit more and say, you know, Hey, when you said this, is this what you meant? Cause mm. I just want to make sure. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's challenging for the people around as well. Like, I don't know what it's like for your family, but you know, 
for, in my situation, it's been really, really challenging in many ways, but I do think it's been a really great thing for me um, as, a, as a human <laughs> is to have, have it so close to home is, is to actually um, open up my mind. Because I think um, one of the, there's so many, okay, so we've talked a lot about the disadvantages and you've talked a bit, a bit about some of your advantages in terms of your hyperfocus and stuff like that. But, mm. you know, what comes out of things like, you know, autism and ADHD is, you know, creativity and thinking outside the box and some of the biggest um, you know, creations in, in history have come from people who, who are on the spectrum because they don't, they're not confined to thinking like this. Mm. They think they're so out here, but what about this? And have you thought about that? And, you know, so we've had huge, you know, advances in technology and other things that have come out of neurodiversity. God, why am mm. I struggling with that word today? But um, so there are huge advantages to it as well. So I don't want to make it even come across that it's all, um, it's doom and gloom because I think, no, you know, it has amazing, um, amazing, you know, potential as well. Yeah, it's it's been confusing for a long time. Like a lot of the things are confusing. Actually, just a lot of the world is confusing, to be honest. But um, one of the confusions that I've had is that I don't think I've never really been the best at anything, and I still am not. Um, and yet some things just seem super obvious um or you know joining the dots between two points just seems super obvious for for me and then and for other people when i tell them what i think about something they go ah oh, how did you even get to that like who taught you that or whatever and it's like i didn't think that was something that needed to be taught like that's just obvious um and so and so then you know you think okay am i super smart and it's like well no i'm not super smart like i know tons of smarter people than me so i'm not super smart okay am i dumb and i'm just lucky and so well, i don't think i'm dumb um and and maybe i get lucky but you know I'm Asian. I'm of Asian descent. We believe in making our own luck, right? Uh, so, <laughs> so it's like just work harder, you get luckier. Uh, and so, <laughs> Marika's on mute, but she's laughing. Uh, but, <laughs> but um, you know, so I, I'm happy to work hard and just be lucky. And so, to me. It's, it's teachable. Everything can be broken down and can be taught. The reasons why we think it works are always debatable. But, you know, I, I really do believe that at the worst, you can imitate people um, and, and the processes that they think they're taking to try and work out things that are better. That's, that's why I do what I do. Like, if I didn't believe that I could... Like, if I didn't believe that I could make anybody who learnt from me to become a teacher, if I couldn't help them to become my teacher, then I, I, like, what am I doing? I'm just doing stuff to make money then. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Um, you know, like, I do this, I do the education stuff, I do the podcast stuff. Yeah, we don't make money. <laughs> um, we do this stuff to to share and to raise and to elevate people and to, you know, I love making the guests our heroes, you know, like I like making them the hero of the episode 
because they're just amazing people sharing the stuff that they know and they're it's amazing stuff um and so you know i i honestly deep down believe that if you want to learn how to do something we've got uh, we've got to be able to do it in a process that makes that happen and and i see part of my work as being able to simplify that take all the stuff that seems complicated pick up all the common threads put it together in a framework that's easy to understand so that we can move forward um and practice doing that and refining that simple model so that it gets us close to what we want um do you know what i mean Um, yeah yeah absolutely i mean i'm just in my head i'm visualizing that red slide yeah it's the red slide um (laughs) it's the red slide the blue slide um yeah because and the red slide came about because people are like oh you know how do you work what model do you use and you know i took a bit from here and i took a bit from here and i took a bit from here and i evolved all of that of course because then i had to ditch the reasons why i did those things because those the reasoning wasn't accurate and then in the end it came down to not technical ability in the end it comes down to empowering people and following just some simple 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 rules uh, simple rules that can be com- eh, complex deep i think there's depth in how those processes take place um and of course you can do a deep dive into each of those um but but the principles themselves are simple um how does that play out so that's what you know that's what the program is about um supporting people through that journey and you know i've got i've got one person on the program who who wants to do male pelvic health like i know next to nothing about male pelvic health but i know how to ask questions to help them get to where they want to go and I'm going to have a dietitian on the program. Um, and, you know, I don't do dietetics. I don't do nutrition. Um, but it's going to be interesting because she's going to make the program suitable for herself. Um, yeah. And that's what it's about. It's just supporting people through a process. Um, you know, personal trainers, coaches, physios um it's yeah you know it's it doesn't even matter what field they're in or what they want to do it's it's just going to be able to help them do what they want to do which is the fun part you know sorry my phone just started ringing that's our good friend edwina <laughs> oh edwina <laughs> she also just finished her prac exam oh. uh i will sorry edwina i'll call you later um I just wanted to ask you, like, I just realized we've been having talking for a while, so we'll probably start to bring cool. in, but um, how do you think, because a lot of people will say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter about a diagnosis, you know, it is what mm. it is, you just treat treat people as they need to be, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I think it's really, um, most people that I've spoken to as adults have said, who found out they have, um, autism or ADHD or other things later on have said, God, I wish I knew mm. when I was younger. Um, we'll look back in retrospect and go, huh, all these things make so much sense. Yeah. But I wish, I wish I'd known before. Um, I don't find many people 
um, wish they didn't have it, like uh, regret have, regret going through that process. I'm just curious from your perspective, Absolutely. Does, Absolutely. does having the diagnosis help? And if so, in what way? Yeah, look, that question just triggers a whole bunch of thoughts. So the first thing is that I think it's a lot better today to get diagnosed today than it would have been 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Like I think the support that's available, um, I think the understanding in the general community, um, you know, because before if you got labeled ADD, ADHD, it meant that you were a problem child, you are a problem person. Whereas now it's more of a recognition that, hey, you're wired differently, so you have different considerations and different needs um, to make it feel like a level playing field. Um, and so, so I am grateful for my diagnosis. It, it's like you, exactly like you said, it just explains a whole bunch of things. It doesn't excuse anything. I'm not using it as an excuse like, oh, I've got ADHD. So just accept it. Like, I don't do that. Um, it goes, ah, I got ADHD. This is what happens. I'm really sorry about that. I am working on, I'm working on changing that. Not because I desperately need to fit into the way that society wants me to behave. Just because that's just how I want to interact with other people. So it's me choosing to be like this as opposed to having it forced on me. And so having a diagnosis does help. Um, my wife is quite funny. Uh, she doesn't have a diagnosis and she's particularly blunt, particularly with me. And, you know, I'll be like, I'll be spinning and she'd be like, have you taken your meds? Have, have the meds worn off? Do you need to go take your medication now? Because I'm on four hour meds, right? Like I haven't got the long acting stuff yet. And it, for somebody who doesn't have really good working memory, <laughs> forgetting to take your medications every four hours is, is a challenge. <laughs> One a day is good. <laughs> One a day is good. I can do that. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, uh, it's been helpful and medication for me is helpful. It's difficult to say because I've only been on medication for two months, but it definitely, like my wife can tell the difference. My family can tell the difference. Um, and I can tell a difference. I get you, a lot less agitated. Are you a bit kinder to yourself? No. <laughs> I, it, you know, it's genetic. <laughs> I'm Asian. Like, even though I, I identify as a white middle-class male, like, it's just how I see myself. It's weird. And then I, and then I have to remember that I, I actually have Asian heritage and all the rest of it. Um, but I'm embracing the fact that maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's just baked in there. Cause my parents stopped speaking Chinese to me at the age of five because they didn't want me to have problems at school. Um, so they just started speaking English to us. Um, whereas I was fluent in Chinese before. Um, so, you know, it's always just been in English. I think in English, I, I understand, I understand white people behavior, um, because that's how I identify. I think, I, I think I'm a white person and I don't understand Asian behavior. 
except for the working hard bit and the like that does feel baked in I, i'm not gonna lie <laughs> that was uh, such a weird tangent <laughs> sorry <laughs> what were we talking about <laughs> I guess I went with my question. Like, are you, yeah. Are am you I, am I glad? But yeah. no, the reason oh. I ask that is because I think, you know, sometimes people can be really hard on themselves. Like, why, why can't I do this? Why can't I do oh. that? Why is it so hard for me? Um, you know, and then I think sometimes having, you know, having a diagnosis, you can kind of go, oh, actually, you know what? That is really hard for me. Yeah. I can just tell people that, you know, these are things that are actually physiologically like really freaking hard for my brain to do so therefore i need some help with this um i need to offload some of these things which are just too hard to other people who can just do it for me um do you know what i mean like oh totally Uh, i think what i i think what happened was that i came to accept that stuff already um and and you know i feel like diane's just walked in the door so she's going to hear me say this without any context at all but like, I feel bad that, you know, I often say, can you remind me to do this? Um, and it's not because I'm lazy. It's just because even if I write it down, I'm not going to remember. And even if I set a reminder on my phone, if it goes off at precisely the wrong time, I don't remember anymore. Like, you know, like the other day I had to call the swim yesterday. I had to call the swim shop. Um, to find out if they were open so that I could go get the pool tested because I installed a new sensor. And so I picked up the phone and I opened up the thing, but I needed to go to the toilet. So I had the phone open, I was ready to call them. I thought, you know what, go to the toilet first because who wants to be on the toilet while speaking to somebody? Nobody wants that. So I went to the toilet and I came back out and in my head, I had already called the place and I just forgot to call them. And then we went out and did some stuff. And then I went to the pool shop and they were shut. Um, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> like a difference of 10 seconds can make a difference to whether I remember to do something or not. Um, so this is just, why when I say, Anthony, can you do this? You say, I'm doing it right now. Yes. Right now. Because otherwise I'm, I'm going to forget. <laughs> yes. And because you'll say stuff like, oh, no rush. And it's like, no, Marika. If I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. Or you're going to have to remind me to do it. (laughs) And so it's not an excuse. It's just understanding that 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 is just how I am. Um, And so having a diagnosis, I guess, legitimizes it a little bit. But again, you'd already already figured out a lot of this stuff, like some of the where your deficits, where your difficulties are. You you had work, got some workarounds over time anyway. Yeah, because I made tons of mistakes. It's just about making mistakes. It's certainly not insightful reflection and preventative action. It tends to be in reaction to stuff that I've stuffed up. (laughs) Basically, I've hurt people. Um, (laughs) I've hurt people's feelings or or said the wrong thing or or just it's often an, uh, an unawareness of what people are thinking or how they thought about that or how they took that away. And then I find out about it later and then it just really hurts my heart because that's not really what I want to do. And, um, and so then I develop rules to help and processes to help. Um, and this is all before the diagnosis stuff, 
Um, and so that's why you've seen an evolution in the way I communicate online and just realizing things. Um, and yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it's just learning through our experiences. Um, and I can't sit still long enough to watch enough talks or study or read papers or books. I've got so many good books to read. I, I'm, I'm kind of banning myself on buying more because I bought a whole lot in Hawaii. Um, Are you talking I, fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Yeah, yeah I don't have time for fiction. Oh, you know what? I do have time for fiction. I listen to Jack Reacher books on audio. What's that? On Audible. I listen to Jack Reacher books on audio on Audible when I travel. But now that I'm not traveling, it's like, oh, now now I've got to figure out something else. So oh, my dad loves those books. <laughs> so do I. And they're formulaic, you know, when you listen to them back to back to back to back, um, you pick up the formula. Um but that's okay. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> What would be really interesting, Anthony, is, I mean, I guess this is another advantage of having a podcast, is that you can listen back to this in a few years' time. Oh, my goodness. And this is, well, no, because it's like, this is your, you're almost in your baby stage of diagnosis and figuring out what's going on and trying medication and stuff. And, mm. you know, you could listen back in three or five years, three, five years' time and go, huh, yeah, wow. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of? Hmm? I'm afraid that my lack of productivity in the last seven years will be repeated again, despite having medication and a diagnosis. So I feel a real sense of I've wasted a lot of time and I'm scared that that'll happen again. How, do you say, how can you say you've wasted a lot of time? How I'm many just... people have you taught the female athlete course to? Oh, over a thousand, thousand one hundred or something. Right. <laughs> I'm not saying that was a waste of time. I'm saying that I should have been able to write my book by now. I should have been able to run other courses that I've got development ideas on. Um, you know, I should I should have my marketing chain done properly. I, I, the emails that I need to write that poor Diane has asked me to do. For a long time like do you know what i mean you know before about being nice to yourself like <laughs> well that's why i said no i don't think i'm nicer to myself <laughs> i told you that bit i think you if you look back and you think shit i ran the mentoring course i went overseas a bajillion times taught a thousand people and worked in a clinic and you know i'm a father for three children and all the rest of it. So, you know, I think you've done quite a lot in seven years. I think you could probably be. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. But I also remember how much I sat around not doing work and, and you know, I remember sitting there trying to do all the right things to write the book, for example. Um, and I can explain that now looking back going, okay, so you have ADHD, you, it's hard to pay attention, it's hard to focus, but then what if I do have medication and I do have the diagnosis and I still waste a lot of time? Yeah. Like, you know, that's what I'm scared of because ultimately I sought help because I was not productive enough. Yeah. 
Um, and, and you I know, I know. People say, oh, but you do so much. And sure, but what if I could do that more efficiently and get more stuff done? Like, you know, Wait. would that make me happy? That's a philosophical question we don't have time for today. But um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I just feel like that's, that is definitely a fear of mine is that it mm. doesn't change anything because ultimately that's what I wanted was to be able to, to get work done. Now, having said that the last two months, I've gotten a lot of work done except the last week. I probably have to speak. You know it, it will be interesting to see because there'll be some of those executive function things that won't change. Mm. And there'll be a lot of things that will. Mm. And so it'll be, yeah, I think there'll still be some things that will be a struggle but you'll be able to focus a lot more, which will mean you'll be able to churn through some of your, some of your things for sure. Yeah. Um, interestingly, I don't know if I told you this, but this like family member of mine who did um, some of the psychometric testing and mm -hmm. I think working memory was on like 30% or something mm. without medication. And then post medication, it went up to about 70. Wow. Um, yeah. Huge, huge difference. Like processing speed still stayed like really low. Right. But the um, working memory, I was amazed at the difference because it went from being a, like a bit, you know, below the, especially when you look at the other aspects of the, the IQ testing, which were here and it was mm. way down here and it came up to like here. So it was mm. just, you know, um, so which means, which, which does increase the output so much more when you can actually remember what the hell you're supposed to be doing. So that'll be an interesting experiment for you. But I think probably, um, what we'll do is just tie things up a little bit and um, what I'm hearing from you, Angie, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to summarize. I'm not going <laughs> to summarize everything. Um, I will say thank you for sharing your experience. Um, mm. One of the reasons why I asked you to do this was for one, you know, you were so open on Facebook about sharing it anyway. So I thought you'd probably be okay talking about it. I do think, um, I mean, we personally know a lot of people with, um, ADHD or autism or who have children who have ADHD or autism. So everybody knows somebody. And I think for me, um, I really want to have this conversation because it's really important to hear people's personal experiences because I think it helps us be a little bit more understanding. Mm. Um, I know you, I've known you for a long time and I know you to be actually a very kind and generous person. And, you know, we've, we've had conversations where I've been like, dude, you're being an idiot or whatever. And, you know, we, we've had messages back and forth. Um, but I guess, <laughs> I guess what I wanted to, to talk about is, is, you know, if we can all be a little bit more understanding, a little bit more open to thinking, huh, is this what this person means in this interaction? Could it mean something else? Is their wiring a little bit different? Do I need to explain to them a little bit more clearly? So I try, I'll try and cut back my sarcasm a little bit, make things a little bit more, more black and white, but, um, and give you more reminders. But it just, I think the reason why I want to talk about this is just to, just to kind of have a personal experience for people listening to, because I think there will be people who listen to this and go, oh my God, I have some of those same issues. Mm. Um, I didn't really think about that before. Maybe I have ADHD, maybe I don't, but m maybe, I can get some help for the things that I struggle with. Maybe I need to be a little bit kinder to myself and realize that some of these things are just not how my brain works. And maybe I need a little bit of help with, or maybe I just need to hmm. 
put you some apps on my phone or get my partner to help me with these things that I've really, really struggled with. So sort of self-kindness, but also like mm. kindness out in the world. It sounds really, really fluffy this morning, isn't it? <laughs> no, not at all. Like, I mean, I had some, I had some genuinely heartwarming responses to that Facebook post, both in private messages and, and on, on the post itself. Um, you know, even people saying, oh, you know, my, my son, my son has had this and we've been dealing with it for, you know, nearly 10 years. And, you know, they said to be able to see somebody who's done what you've done, despite not knowing, it gives me lots of hope that he's going to be okay. And yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I do. I don't think of it as a disability. I think of it as a different ability. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it makes life hard sometimes. Not going to lie. But, um, but other stuff, like apparently joining the dots is something that I can do well. Um, so, you know, yay preschool. Um, and then other stuff like... Um, you know, just the ability to question and think and or think differently. I don't know. I think that's trainable personally. But um, yeah, so I'm happy to hear stories. I'm happy to share stories. I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to ask questions. Um, so, you know, thank you. Well, thank you for wanting to do this too. I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share it. I hope it's helpful. Um, and if anyone has questions, they can pop them in the little, um, in the post below and or if anyone Absolutely. wants to share their experiences as well. and Or just uh, message or whatever, you know, like we take it all ways, don't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll leave it at that. Thanks everyone for listening. Um, yeah. Pop questions below or, or send a message to Anthony or to me if you want to discuss further. Um, you know, I think for, for me, you know, like my personal experiences, because they're not, mine per se they are family members that's why i haven't been like really because um, it's not my place to talk about them in particular that's why i've been a little bit vague um but you know face to face or or you know messaging i'm more than happy to talk about some of that other stuff just not on a public forum um but yeah so if you want to message me as well as a, as a parent um that's absolutely fine I'm, I'm happy to talk about that kind of stuff as well because we've all we've all having our interesting journeys um which can be challenging at times and in iso as well which is great fun um but anyway we, we'll leave it at that thanks everyone for listening and um we will catch you next time on the women's health podcast catch ya well, that's it for this episode. Be sure to hit like if you enjoyed the episode and leave any comments or questions below. We'd really like to hear from you. If you haven't already hit subscribe, please do so now so that you can be kept notified when we release our next episode. Otherwise, thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back with us for another episode of the Women's Health Podcast.